You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear Rachel, dear Hunter, dear Michael, this morning you are going to confess the faith into which you were baptized. Every person in this congregation, I'm not trying to scare you, I hope you understand, but every person in this congregation will hear you speak and say, and, and, and say clearly exactly what you believe concerning God. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Even Jesus himself will hear you say this confession of faith. And Jesus promises that when you confess him and his teaching before men, he will confess you before his Father, who is in heaven. He promised he is going to do that. But I want you to know that this is nothing new. That the confession you are about to speak is the same confession that you have spoken before men every Sunday in church. When you confessed the Nicene Creed. When you sang the hymns of the church. When you, at home with your parents, would pray in the Christian faith. It's the same confession that's being made. Only now, today, uh, it takes place on a bit of a, a bigger stage, but it's the same confession. And it has the same results. Jesus confesses you before his Father in heaven. It's good to remember this. That it's not as if you are stumbling into God's hands today. But in fact, you have belonged to God from the moment you were baptized. From the moment God poured upon you his water of regeneration and renewal and rebirth, you belong to him. And he has kept you and he has sustained you in the Christian faith. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Confirmation is not graduation. You haven't reached the end of learning about the Bible stories and your catechism. Instead, all you have done is caught a glimpse of God's goodness and a glimpse of God's kindness. You have to keep on learning your Bible stories and your catechism because someday you will have little kids of your own. You will have relatives and friends who will ask you about Jesus. And you will have to know your Bible story so well. And you will have to have your catechism so memorized that you won't stumble or falter for a second. But you will tell them plainly and clearly exactly about who Jesus is and what he has done for you and what Jesus has done for the entire world. Now that begs the question for us, doesn't it? What do we make of this thing called confirmation? What exactly is it? I thought about it for about five seconds, and my conclusion is that it is practice. It is practice. It's good to get used to confessing Jesus' name in this place, among all these people, 
So that no matter how big the stage gets after this, no matter how many people might surround us, no matter how nervous we might feel, we know that as we have confessed Jesus before, so we will be able to confess him again. You're going to be nervous standing up here. I know you will be. I was nervous when I was confirmed. But Jesus is teaching you a lesson that as you're able to confess him, even in the middle of being nervous, in the middle of being a little bit scared, so you will be able to confess him in the future. We learn in the Holy Scriptures that there are people in the world who will revile you for confessing Jesus' name. There are people who will revile you, and there are other people who will ask you about the hope that is within you. Now, whether or not you are being attacked, or whether or not you are being simply asked a question, you know that you will be able to confess Jesus with gentleness and respect. And in doing so, your conscience will not falter. St. Peter tells us that our opponents, and even those people who question us and who doubt us, when we confess Jesus with our lips, and when we live a life according to his Ten Commandments, all of our opponents are put to shame. Now to do this, to hold fast to your confession... This is going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. The devil knows all the chinks that you have in your spiritual armor. Your flesh is going to tug you away from the confidence of the faith and into doubt. The world will never tire of trying to rob you of your hope, and of trying to make you feel small and insignificant because you are a Christian. You're not alone in this fight. God isn't going to throw you to the wolves to see if you can fend for yourself. You see, confirmation isn't some sort of rite of initiation into an adult life where I can fend for myself and take care of myself. No, it's actually the quite, it's quite the opposite. For you are telling the entire congregation this morning that I can't do it on my own. I can't save myself. I can't create faith in my own heart. Instead, my confession of faith this morning is that I need Jesus. It is Jesus who saves me. It is the Holy Ghost who gives me faith. It is the Father who loves me. Apart from this God, I have nothing. I am nothing. And on this God alone I lean. And in this God alone do I find life. To have this strength. To obtain this faith that is filled with nothing but the grace and the mercy of our God. Jesus gives us this great gift of prayer this morning. 
He teaches us in the gospel lesson that in the hour of trouble, in the hour when the devil and the world and our flesh are trying to draw us away from God himself, God has given us words to put into our mouth so that we may ask him for grace. God has given us a name with which to ask with which to ask God for great and wonderful blessings and gifts. Praying in the name of Jesus and according to his word, you will have the joy of faith. And the devil and the world and your flesh, they cannot touch this joy. They cannot take it away. This is a catechism sermon, by the way. When we talk about prayer, what do we think about? It brings us back to what we learned in the second chief part, which is what? The Lord's Prayer. Also, we concentrate on the second commandment, where we learn about the name of God, and then also in the first petition, right? Where we pray, hallowed be thy name. This is the very first thing that we're going to learn this morning and to review for you catechumens. What do we mean when we say that we must pray in God's name, and especially in Jesus' name? The first thing to realize is that Jesus isn't, hasn't given us a name that's like a magic formula, right? Um, the devil wants us to think like this. That somehow, by praying to God the Father in Jesus' name, we can somehow twist God's arm into giving us a Maserati to, that will flop into our lap or something like that. But nowhere in God's word and nowhere in Jesus' name do we find a kind of communion or unity with the idols of our heart and with the God who has redeemed our hearts by his precious blood. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray according to his promises and according to his commands. To pray in Jesus' name is to recall what that name means, right? All of my catechism students in here know what I'm talking about. What does Jesus' name mean? It means that the Lord saves. We pray in Jesus' name, believing that the Lord has become man in the person of Jesus, that this man took upon himself our guilt and our iniquity, our trespasses, and that he has carried all of these things to the cross. There he suffered God's wrath in our place so that we would not receive anger from God, but now we receive kindness from God. All of that is bound up into the name Jesus. The Lord saves the Lord saves us not only from the anger of God, but the Lord saves us also from the consequence of sin, which is death. We're in Easter right now. The Lord has saved us from the grave because Jesus himself has overcome the grave by his resurrected life. This also belongs to the name Jesus. Jesus tells us that in this day, in the day of having the preaching of the evangelists and the apostles, in this day of having the clarity of God's word and the catechism, that we won't have to ask of him anything. 
as if Jesus, as if, as if Jesus had to be our buffer between us and God the Father. No, Jesus tells you. Because he has saved you from your sins. Because he has saved you from death. You can ask the Father yourselves for good and wonderful things. All of the wonderful things that God wants to give you according to his word. You approach God not with fear and not with terror, not with tribulation, but you you call upon him as you would call upon your own dad. Saying, Father, in Jesus' name, according to this name that saves, according to this name by which all things that belong to the devil and the world and the flesh have been put under his feet, give me forgiveness. Give me life. Give me daily bread. Deliver me from evil. The Father wants to hear these petitions from you. And he will answer you, just as Jesus promises. Now, Jesus says that when we pray in this way, in his name and according to his word, a very, very important and wonderful result comes. He says, ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, it's probably better to translate uh, full joy as opposed to partial joy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, It's probably better to to translate this as completed or finished joy, right? Completed joy. Because this helps us to understand that Jesus is speaking about some sort of joy that is subjectively felt in our hearts, right? And includes that, but it's much more than that. Rather, a completed joy is a joy of faith that has finally come to fruition in our sight, that is finished when our hands can touch our Savior Jesus, that is finished when we see the faith that we have right now, that all things are under Jesus' feet, when we see it come to, into, into view when Jesus comes again on the last day. That is a joy that is completed. It is the joy that we hope for. And as I said, it is the joy that faith looks to achieve. Right now, we have Jesus' victory over sin and death and the devil by his promises that fill our ears. But because Jesus is risen and ascended to the right hand of the Father... Because Jesus promises that he will come again quickly to raise all the dead, to make all things new. When we pray to God, we pray that that day would come quickly. That our faith would be finished and completed so that we may meet with Jesus and all the saints at the resurrection of, at the resurrection of all flesh. That is the joy that is completed and is yet set before us. For now, our joy is a joy of faith. But that doesn't make it, that doesn't make it less. 
that doesn't make it unimportant. Because what do we have in the joy of faith? We have the joy of knowing a Father who loves us. A Heavenly Father. A Father who is willing to give even His own Son into death so that we might become His children and heirs of heaven. We have the joy of calling upon this Father in the name of Jesus, our brother. We have the joy of faith that rests not upon our own strength in praying to this God in Jesus' name, but the strength of the Holy Ghost himself. Jesus gives you his supper this morning. What do you find in this supper? Forgiveness, life, salvation. Jesus gives you the joy of faith. When you come to this altar, when you commune and eat Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, you come always not because you're strong enough to keep the confession on your own, but because you know that you are weak. Because you know that you need Jesus' help. Because you know that if you try to hold on to the joy of faith in your own hearts by staying away from church, it would flee from you. You would forget it. But here Jesus gives you his body and his blood. He wants to give it to you often. To feed you. To strengthen and nourish your faith. So that, as Jesus says, your joy might be fulfilled. Dear Confirmands, and dear saints of Hope Lutheran Church, dear friends and family, as we meditate upon Jesus' command to pray, let us receive this, this command as an invitation a tender invitation, and even a promise. You pray not because you're compelled to, because by keeping a command you somehow will make God happy. No, you you pray to God because you know what Jesus has done for you. Ask boldly and receive from Him. Ask and receive your forgiveness, your life, the hope of resurrection. To God alone be the glory. Amen. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Him. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.